You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of our Adult Sunday School series. Adult Sunday School is taught by a variety of different men in our church. Now let's prepare our hearts as our Sunday School teacher brings forth God's truths from His Word today. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to 2 Peter chapter 1. Got a lot to cover this morning and... Hopefully I have the voice to do it. Started coming down with a little bit of a sore throat last night. Hopefully we make it through. Trust the Lord for that. Let's open up with a word of prayer. Dear Father, Lord, we do thank you for this time that we can open your word, Lord, and I pray that you would just speak to us this morning. Lord, show us what you would have for us, Lord, that we would receive it with open hearts. Lord, that it would be your words and not my words, Lord, that uh, your spirit can go forth, Lord, and just work in our hearts and change us, Lord, to be more like you. More like Christ, and it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. All right, we're going to read Second Peter chapter 1, and as we did last week, I'm going to just read the passage of Scripture that we're in, verse 1 through verse 11. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Verse 10, Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So last week we did an overview. And one of the things that I don't know if we caught from last week, the emphasis was on diligence, having diligence to do these things. You know, if we don't have diligence in any aspect of our life, we're going to be unsuccessful, especially in our walk with the Lord. If we don't have diligence to do what we need to do, to do what the Lord has told us to do, we are not going to have that fruit that he desires us to have. Now, I do want to say last week I mentioned something about Walmart greeters and investing on this earth, and really I have, I don't want to, I just want to make sure I didn't offend anybody because I didn't intend it to be like that. I really don't have any thoughts one way or another on people who invest or don't invest or people who have to work a job after they get done working another job. That's not where our focus should be on anyway. It's great if you invest. It's great if you don't invest. But it does say in the Bible that a good man out of the, uh, uh, thinks of his children or leaves an inheritance to his children's children. So I do think that is something for us that we should be striving, even though we can look forward and say, the Lord is soon to come, we should still be looking at a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, to his grandchildren. But just to cover that, it's not, not a problem. But we do need to have diligence in our spiritual life to make sure that we are producing the fruit that the Lord would have us. And we have in verse 5 through 7 these things that we need to add into our life 
so that we can have this portfolio of eternal fruit. So that we can, when we stand before the Lord, we cannot stand there ashamed, but we can stand there rejoicing, having an abundant entrance into the kingdom, as is mentioned in verse 11. Now, Peter wrote this passage of Scripture, this epistle, under the inspiration of God. So, as I mentioned last week, these things are in this order for a reason. These things are here for a reason. So, we need to look at them in the order that Peter has written them down for us so that we can understand exactly what the Lord has for us. And the first thing we mentioned was that faith is the foundation. Faith is the foundation. We can't do anything in the Christian life unless we first have put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. And once we have trusted him for salvation, then we have that account where we can now start laying up that eternal fruit, that we can start creating our portfolio, our investment in eternal fruit for the Lord. So faith is the basis. This is the account that we are invested in. Now this is not faith in ourselves. This is not faith in the society around us. This is not faith in anything other than, as I mentioned, Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection, faith in him alone. Also faith that the word of God is true. You know, if we don't have faith that the word of God is true, we're not going to read these promises of Scripture, read these instructions of Scripture, and have any desire to do them. So we need to have that faith that the word of God is true. And we need to be grounded in this faith. We need to be established in our faith, knowing that the Lord is in control of all things, knowing that we can obey him and that he will reward us for that obedience and that he will bless us and that we are not supposed to be focused on this life solely as we live out our lives here on this earth, but for eternity. We need to be focused on that eternal fruit. Now, in this passage of 1 Peter, here in verse 5, we find that the first thing that Peter tells us needs to be added to our faith is virtue. So what is virtue? Well, virtue is moral excellence. This would involve more moral purity, this would involve modesty, this would involve moral thoughts and actions, and involve right thinking, but it also involves manliness and valor. That's one of the roots of this word for virtue in the Greek. Virtue is necessary if we are have any success, not just in this life as we go about our daily life, but also if we're going to have any fruit laid up for us in eternity, we have to have that basis of virtue in our lives. So let's look at this area of virtue as Peter has outlined for us. Number one, we're going to look at the moral excellence as is defined by sexual purity. You know, our current state of this world today is one where we have decided to throw off, or we're trying to throw off all idea of historical or biblical ideas of sexuality and morality. You know, this is especially true, I think we could say, in you know, certain parts of America, maybe as America as a whole, but even around the world, men are attempting to turn what is good into something that is evil, and what is evil into something that is good. Or immorality and perversion are being heralded as good and wholesome and not a problem to society, unlike holding the traditional ideas of the past, which are being held as regressive and these things that are holding back society from really fulfilling its ultimate goal. And we know that that is a lie of Satan, but it has to do with our lack of virtue that this is taking place, and that the people involved with it have a lack of virtue. And also involved in this um, standard of changing morality, we find that Christians, and I think we don't understand this as much as we should, we are held to a higher standard than the world. So it may be okay for the world to do something. It may be okay for the world to change. 
And the church sees that, and a lot of people, we want to compromise so that we can say we're not as offensive to the world in these areas. And so what we do is we compromise, and then the world says, well, you guys are supposed to be standing up here. You're supposed to be holding up the standard over here. And then now you have nothing to stand on. You have no testimony for the Lord. We have no testimony for the Lord when we compromise in this area, and we give up our virtue. When we have not established in our lives that we are going to live morally excellent, then we have really no ground to stand on in our testimony in the world. We cannot have virtue and be morally impure. The opposite of virtue is moral depravity, the works of the flesh. It's spelled out in Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, Envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do these things, do such things, shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So we find here laid out for us all the things that are not morally excellent, everything that is anti virtue in our life. We need to avoid those things. We need to know what those things are, but really we just need to be led of the Holy Spirit because He will lead us. As long as we are committed to living a virtuous life, the Holy Spirit will guide us and direct us through our conscience and through his word in order to live that pure, virtuous life. But as we mentioned earlier, sexual purity is not the only thing that is the makeup of virtue. It's moral excellence. Moral excellence also in the areas of right thinking. You know, a virtuous person will think right. They will think pure thoughts. They will focus on the things that are good as opposed to focusing on the things that are bad or the things of the darkness of this world. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. It doesn't say if there be you know, some virtue or, well, you need to know about these things just so that you can know about them, but there's not, not really any virtue to it. It says, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. So how often do we look at that in our life where the things that we are looking at, the things that we are doing as far as our entertainment, the things that we are studying upon, is that things that are virtuous, that are building up virtue in our lives, or are things that are tearing down what we are attempting to do, or are, are limiting us and our ability to produce fruit for eternity, fruit for the Lord. Sometimes with everything going around the world, going on around us in the world, we get focused solely on the bad things. We look at only the bad. We don't think of the good. And if we are at that point where all we can do is focus on the evil around us, then we're not putting any good into our life. We're not building up this area of virtue, moral excellence in right thinking. You know, the Apostle Paul and Peter lived in a corrupt society, the same as we do. I mean, I think society has always been corrupt. They lived in a corrupt society, a degraded society. And he wrote this, Philippians 4, 8, under the inspiration of the God who is in control of all things. He, he knows what's going on in society. God has not forgotten that men still walk the earth. God has not forgotten that we are still in need of a Savior, and we still need cleansing, that we still are sinful. God has not forgotten that, but yet he commands us to think of things that are right and pure, to think of things that are full of virtue. 
This mindset is hard for us, I know. It's hard for us not to look at the bad things going on around us. But we need to have a serious investment in virtue. We need to be diligent in having that thought that we need to be morally excellent in order to be successful in our Christian life. We need to think of these things that are true, that are honest, that are pure, that are just, that are lovely, that are a good report. So, as I mentioned, do we spend our time thinking of those things or do we think of other things that are not pure, that are not true, that are not lovely, that are not virtuous? Another aspect of virtue is defined by manliness and valor. That's a part of that word virtue. You know, there's an attack on men in our culture today. Now, this attack is anti-God. It's anti the image of God, and it's anti-virtue. You know, men of virtue will be men who are willing to stand up for something, men who are willing to fight for something, men who are willing to do what is right no matter what the cost is. Now, this is not fighting over stupid stuff or, you know, men, we can get crazy. I'm not going to say that's, that, that, that men aren't crazy. We do crazy things. But, you know, it is nothing wrong for a man to be willing to fight for what is right, for a man to be willing to defend his family. You know, it's not will, wrong for a man to be willing to go to war. You know, war is good in some instances. Even, even in the scripture, we find that some instances God commanded the children of Israel to fight. Fighting for what is right, there's nothing wrong with that as long as it's done in the right manner. Men have always understood that fighting for one's country is virtuous. You know, we see a great attack right now going on against our military men. Sometimes it's like a side attack. You know, we're going to promote military over here, but on this side, we're going we're gonna to undercut them. You know, that's something that is against virtue as well. The world hates to see men who are willing to stand up and stand strong for what they think is right, especially to stand strong on the Word of God. A man who stands strong on the Word of God stands strong on the truth of the Word of God who exudes that virtue that he should have, that all men should have, they are dis destroyed by the world in general. Even sometimes they are destroyed by those we would con consider to be fellow believers. They are attacked. They're ridiculed. And that virtue is under attack because God desires men to be men of virtue. You know, our society also wants to denude men of their virtue by eliminating this gender significance. And we can see this taking place. You know, even in the Pentagon right now, in our Republican Armed Services Committees, they're talking about recommending that women be available for the draft. Now, I don't, I'm not going to stand up here and say that women should not be allowed to serve if they don't, if they want to serve. You know, there's probably an aspect for them to serve. But I do know that not all women can serve in the military. And to say that Yes, we're going to just draft. We're not going to look at somebody's gender. We're not going to look at their race. We're not going to look at their capabilities. We're just going to draft all men equal because everybody's equal. That is anti-virtue, and that is anti-God. You know, we shouldn't force people into doing or force women into doing something that they are not necessarily called to do, because not that men are greater than women. I would say that men, women are greater than men in the aspect that they keep men. Under that aspect, they give men the responsibility. You know, before I married my wife, I would say there were things that I would do that were not necessarily the right thing to do. But my wife keeps me in check. She makes sure that I do the right thing. She makes sure that I fulfill responsibility. And I think that's inherent to, to men 
that we don't want to fulfill, we don't want to live virtuously. We don't want to fulfill our responsibility as we should. And it requires a strong woman and a virtuous woman to keep us in check and to make sure that we do what we need to do. So if anything, I would say that means women are more important to society as far as keeping the whole structure together. They're the glue that binds us together. But men, we need to stand up and be men of virtue. God has designed and created each and every one of us with specific traits that we need to fulfill in our lives. We don't need to look at everybody else around us and say, well, that person is doing this, so I'm going to do this. No, we need to do what God has called us to do in the area of virtue in our own individual life. And that is what society wants to do. They want to remove the individuality of the people. And we want to put us together as a collective. But God didn't design us as a collective. He designed us as individuals so that we can live out our life to please him individually. God isn't focused on the group. Sometimes he focuses on the group, but he really focuses on the individual. It's all individual responsibility. And it is up to us to have virtue. I think of the case of, I don't know if you anybody followed the uh, Alabama politics. <laughs> well, I mean, there was a national, national news about Roy Moore. And I believe this is an area where a man who has stood for virtue and morality and what is right for years and years, you know, how many years? 50 years, I think he's been in Alabama politics, and now all of a sudden, um, a month before his, the biggest election, they, they find out something that, I don't know that even anything was done illegal, but something just to make his character, to impugn his character, to, so that he doesn't have a chance or that he has less of a chance of running and winning the Senate race. And you know what? The, the sad thing about it is, I believe, everything that I can see, that it's probably coming from the party that he claims to be a part of, the Republican Party. They're probably the ones that did the research and released it to the news media to undercut him. Because even people that claim to stand for what is right, when they don't have virtue themselves, they cannot stand to be in the presence or the place of those who do have virtue. That is the task that we are up against as men, to be willing to stand, to have that virtue, that moral excellence, even when those around us are not willing to stand for what is right. You know, when a nation loses its virtue, it eventually loses its freedom. Patrick Henry once said, Bad men cannot make good citizens. It is impossible that a nation of infidels or idolaters should be a nation of free men. It is when a people forget God that tyrants forge their chains. A vitiated state of morals, a corrupted public conscience is incompatible with freedom. No free government or the blessings of liberty can be preserved to any people but by a firm adherence to justice, moderation, temperance, frugality, and virtue, and by a frequent recurrence to fundamental principles. One of the things he mentioned, a vitiated state of morals, or a spoiled or a decayed state of morals, a corrupted public conscience, is incompatible with freedom. Do we wonder why our freedoms keep slipping away from us? The obvious answer is we have a corrupted state of morals. We have a corrupted conscience as a people. Not just the people outside of this church, but myself, I have a corrupted state of morals. I'm sure a lot of us, we don't have that moral excellence that we need to have in order to uphold our country and to keep our freedom. And that is what we are fighting in this nation right now. This corruption, this throwing off of old traditions or morality, rejecting biblical authority, this is how a free people 
gets turned into an enslaved people, how a republic gets turned into a socialist or a communist state. It has nothing to do with, you know, the people necessarily working in the government other than the fact that they are still people. And when people working in government are devoid of virtue, then this is the result, a corrupted government, uh, a state that wants to bring everybody under the control of a government. This goes back all the way to Philippians 4.8, what we talked about, thinking of things that are true and honest, right, just, of good report. If the people in a society are virtuous, they will have a virtuous government. If they are not virtuous, they will not have a virtuous government. And we are seeing this take place in our country. And why is it taking place in our country? I believe it's probably because it's taking place in the church. We have lost our virtue as the church in so many areas. We have not builded, we have not added this to our portfolio of our fruitfulness for the Lord, of our eternal fruit. We have not added this as an investment. We have not been diligent in the aspect of virtue in our lives. And virtue is the foundation for what comes next. Remember we said this is in sequential order. Virtue is foundational. You know, the next aspect that we'll just get into right now is knowledge. Knowledge without virtue puffeth up. It makes it so that you're proud. We, you know, we have a lot of people in this world who have knowledge, who think they're smart, who are smart in a lot of areas, smart in how to manage an economy, smart in how to manage a business, but yet they have no virtue. So what does that bring? It brings corruption. Lack of virtue, having knowledge, brings corruption. So after we have built up virtue, now we need to focus on the knowledge part. So once we decide in our lives, we are going to live morally excellent. We are going to live morally right. Then we can add knowledge to that. Because knowledge increases our fruit, as we mentioned last week as well. Knowledge goes hand in hand with virtue. It's the next step. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So, fools despise wisdom and instruction. Those who desire to be virtuous and to have knowledge, they will fear the Lord. Romans 11.33 says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Do we want to know the ways of God? Well, then we need to apply ourselves to be diligent to learn, to study, to get knowledge of God and of his ways. Hosea 4.6 says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Do we wonder why we are facing destruction? Because so many of us have given up on studying the Scripture and gaining the knowledge of God that we need in order to be virtuous and to have that virtue be seen by the world. You know, so, so many times we, we get tongue-tied when we're in a conversation with somebody who is attacking our faith. That's because we have not been diligent to have the knowledge of God as we should. You know, another aspect of that knowledge we see around us is we found in 2 Timothy, where it says, ever learning but unable to come to the knowledge of the truth. We see that around us, where people are always learning, always trying to seek higher education, and yet they can't come to the knowledge of the truth. Knowledge in this passage can apply to simple knowledge of the Scripture and Christian living, but if we look at the whole aspect of it, it's really having moral wisdom, understanding what is right and wrong to do as a Christian. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of that knowledge. So after we have that moral excellence, we need to fear the Lord and have that knowledge of Him. You know, just because I'm in a, 
American citizen doesn't mean I can do anything I want. The same applies to a Christian. Just because we are Christians, just we are saved by grace through faith, and we have liberty in Christ doesn't mean we can continue to do what is wrong and to live in sin. Romans 6, 1 and 2 says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? And to accomplish this right living, we must have a deep knowledge of the Scripture. We must be in church hearing the preaching of the Word that will feed us, that will give us what we need to grow in Christ, and not go to some place where we're just being fed fluff, something that is calorie-less, something that will not help us to grow in our Christian walk, will not expand our fruitfulness, will not help us to bear more fruit for the Lord. We must be led of the Holy Spirit in the fear of the Lord. Now, one of these areas and that we're going to touch on as far as knowledge, that I think when we have that area of moral excellence, that area of virtue in our lives, and then we add to it knowledge, this is an area that we get touched by, and yet I think we're afraid to address in some areas. It's a touchy subject. I really don't want to bring it up, but it's what the Lord laid on my heart, and i got to bring it up to us. Because it's something I think that even us as believers, we can get sucked into it, into this wrong mindset, because we don't have the knowledge that we should based on virtue. And that is the subject of racism. And now, modern racism is something that's projected as discrimination against people, and it is. That is what racism is we find. People of color, ethnicity, or even tribal or non-Christian religions. That is what modern racism is. In America, in its past, we did have that system of racism. There's no denying it. We shouldn't deny it. We should look back at it and say, that was wrong. You know, even at that time, though, there was Christians in the world who should have had the knowledge that, that what they were doing was wrong. And there were Christians that did have that knowledge, that they had that idea that I'm going to live morally right, and the Scripture outlines for me that this is something that is wrong to do. But that, some of that is in the past as well, because America has done what it needs to do to correct the problem as much as possible. We fought a war where three-quarters of a million people lost their lives fighting for that, fighting to end the evils of slavery. You know, racism is evil at its core. And the reason racism even exists is because of its father. And its father is the devil. There is no denying that racism at its core is based on Satan. Satan is probably the first one to spread those seeds of racism. And why would he do it? Why would he do it? Because he wants us to be focused on the outside. He wants, you know, God says he sees the heart of man. Satan, he sees the outside, and he wants us to be focused on the outside of people, to look at these things that maybe look different to us, and to look at all these different similarities between us, and to have that divide us, because the last thing Satan wants is unity of purpose to serve the Lord. You know what? At America's Declaration of Independence, we were the first government to declare that all men are created equal. And we are endowed with certain unalienable rights by our Creator, God. But then when it came to the time that we put the Constitution in place, there were certain states that wouldn't allow or wouldn't sign the Constitution unless slavery was still in the Constitution or slavery was not outlawed by the Constitution. So we put in place the Article 1, Section 9 of the Constitution, where it made it possible to have the discussion to remove slavery after 1808. So in order to get unity among the 13 colonies, we allowed slavery, but said 
after 1808, we can have the discussion to remove it. But, of course, it didn't get removed in 1808. It took a war. It took a bloody war, a brutal war, in order to do that. And when we add to our virtue, though, knowledge, we would know that all men are created equal. As Paul spoke, I mean, Paul, the apostle, spoke it 2,000 years prior in Athens that all men are created equal. Let's turn over to Acts chapter 17. We don't have a lot of time, but I think we need to read this. Because I, I believe this, this shows us when, if we were to have that moral excellence, and then we were to add to it knowledge, if we had had knowledge of the scripture, not tradition of men, because slavery was tradition of men. I mean, slavery has existed forever. Racist slavery existed really from the, the British Empire, but into America as well. Let's start at verse 16 of Acts chapter 17. Uh, let's move up to 22. Verse 22, sorry. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood, one blood, all nations of, of men for to dwell on the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed in the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord. If they happily... If happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. And we'll stop there. So here the Apostle Paul specifically tells us all men are created of one blood. So we know that this, if we were to add to our virtue this knowledge, we shouldn't, be, we shouldn't have in ourselves any idea of racism. We shouldn't hold one race above another or hold one race below another, because as Christians we need to have virtue added to that knowledge so that we know that racism is wrong. But we also know that through study of the scripture, there is one race of people that is favored by God. And that is the Jewish people. That is the chosen people of God. The people that were chosen to bring forth the promised Messiah. The promises of Abraham were that, uh, promises of God that were given to Abraham were specifically for them and for this people. So we know that this is the beloved people of God. Not that God plays favorites, but they are the apple of God's eye. And we should not forget that. One of the things I see taking place in the world around us today is an ever-increasing, ever-increasing anti-Semitic bent. Racism against the Jews. Now, I think we've seen it more recently with the rise of the, what's known as the alt-right movement. You know, this is something that is supposedly conservative, but maybe some of the members are conservative. But I'm telling you, there is a bent to that that is bent on racism. It's bent on anti-Semitism. It is something that we should not involve ourselves in. Because anything that has that as its base, or has that as one of its side notes, is racism against the Jews, or hatred against the Jews, is something that is inherently anti-God. It's straightly, or is directly from Satan himself. 
you know, one of the ways you can see this, and this is why we need to add to ourselves this, this virtue, we need to have this moral excellence, and we need to have knowledge, is that they will bury into, say, an article of something. Maybe even an article of a conspiracy of some kind, or, or some statement about people doing some, something that is wrong or evil. And if they feel the need to specifically mention that the person is Jewish, that is the seed of that anti-Semitic racism that the Lord, I'm sure, abhors, and that is straightly from Satan. This is where our knowledge built upon virtue is absolutely necessary, because Satan has been attacking the chosen people of God forever, because he knew the promise of God, he knows the end, he knows the end result, and he hates the Jewish people. You know, some of the things that I see playing out in the, in the media and in the, the world around us, the, the hatred against the Jews, this has been happening for years, for millennia. And it's really, you know, they were persecuted and kicked out of every country throughout the Middle Ages and up until they could find a place in America where they could be free of persecution. You know, the same things that were written about the Jews back in the Middle Ages, about seditions and conspiracies and, and dark practices, those were the same things that were used to kick the Jews out of, out of Great Britain, that were used to kick the Jews out of Russia. This is the same thing that was used in Nazi Germany. We need to be aware of it. And we need to not sit back and not use our knowledge that we have to promote what is virtuous and what is right. We need to be willing to stand up for what is right in this area. And I am going to encourage us, I'm going to encourage us not to read after these people that may have these anti-Semitic bents. We shouldn't, just as we mentioned in Philippians 4.8, we cannot allow those things, even small that they may be, to affect us and to maybe cause our minds to twist and to think thoughts that are not right, that are not virtuous, especially in this area where we know it's so dear to the heart of God that all people are recreated of one blood and that we're all created for one purpose, and that is to please the Lord and to come to a knowledge of Him, to come to salvation. That is why all men were created. So we need to encourage that. Another area I would say, one, one thing that we could do right now as a nation, we need to be praying for because I think it's December 1st, is another time that we have the, that President Trump has a chance to sign the or not sign a waiver that would move the embassy to Jerusalem from Tel Aviv. You know, we have, I think, 130, 130 relations with countries in the world as far as where our embassies are located. And in every single one of those countries, our embassy is located in the capital city of that country, except in one, and that is Israel, our closest ally, the people of God, where our embassy is located in Tel Aviv as opposed to in Jerusalem where the ambassador spends all his time because that's the capital city of Jerusalem. We need to pray that President Trump will authorize. I mean, the law has already passed. He just needs to not sign the waiver saying we're not going to move it or sign the waiver saying we are going to move it one way or the other. We need to pray for that because I think that is something that could greatly help in preserving the lives of the Jewish people and in promoting a love for the Jewish people once again in America. So, again, let's re just to recap, virtue is essential for us to have in our portfolio for eternal fruitfulness. We need to have that filling of the Holy Spirit so we can live that virtuous life. And then, that knowledge of God is what keeps us striving to be more like Him. It keeps us striving to know about, more about Him, to have that fear of the Lord so that we know we don't want to displease the Lord. We want to do what is right, and it helps us to keep ourselves unspotted from the world and have the understanding of the world around us.
So let's make sure we heavily invest in these areas in our lives. Let's have that diligence to be virtuous people, to be people that have the knowledge that we need to have of God. Let's pray. Dearly Father, Lord, we thank you for this time. We can look in your word. Lord, I pray that your word would have gone forth and would have touched our hearts, Lord, and done the work that only you can do, Lord, to speak into our hearts and help us to receive it with joy, Lord, not with sorrow. Lord, help us also to be diligent, to be virtuous people and people of knowledge of your word. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.